Um, hi, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Hudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome, you guys. Welcome, and all of our listeners. Yes, we have like three now. And <laughs> no, no, we have more than that. Do you, we, we have one in London. We have one in oh, London. Wow, cool. I know. Yes. 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 So yes. awesome. And today we have a guest, and how would you like to be identified? Kathy D. Okay, welcome, Kathy D. And uh, Kathy D. is a dear friend of mine, and she works multiple programs, and uh, and I've asked her to join us today. Uh, and just do, if you'd like to do just a brief introduction about yourself. Let's, and, um, let's explain what we do first. Yeah, okay. this is, um, this, this podcast, um, um, MG and I uh, do work multiple programs, and we have, you know, combined mega years of sobriety. And we really want to just like bring our sobriety into um, how we bring it into our daily lives because it, it's so easy to be sober in a meeting or, um, you know, talking to your sponsor or helping somebody else. But it's a little bit different when stuff comes up and you have to deal with it. So our take on Sober Sisters Talk is to bring our experience, strength and hope to you as we take our sobriety out into the world. Just want to remind you to like and share us. And if you do have any questions, you can reach out to us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And our website is www.SoberSistersTalk.com. And now, MG, yes. <laughs> introduce Kathy, your friend. Right. So I met Kathy probably in 1999. We worked together at um, a place. And uh, and I just loved her then, and I've loved her over the years, and I've just been so honored and inspired by her and in her programs. So if you want to talk a little bit about the programs that you work and uh, when you sort of started them and where you're at, I think that'd be a great place to start. Okay, well, um, I, um, I'm in two programs. I'm an adult, in adult children of alcoholics and of Readers Anonymous. And I was in Adult Children of Alcoholics uh, since March of 2010. Uh, 2010. Oh, I'm in the future already. <laughs> um, since March of 2010. And I had just really felt like I hadn't adjusted to my traumatic childhood. And and it's it's hard to it's hard to. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was a bitch. And, um, you know, that was the setting that I grew up in, and it, lots of conflict. And um, so I just felt like I still needed to do some work about that, and that's when I started going to Adult Children of Alcoholics. And um, I've been sober in, a, in that program since then, eight, almost nine years, it'll be February. And um, then the other program I work is Overeaters Anonymous. And I've been in that program since 2014, but I um, I didn't get abstinent until uh, last December. And um, and the thing about overeaters is, well, let me back up just a minute. Before, uh, when I was young and uh, crazy, I uh, was addicted to cocaine. And I quit doing cocaine in 1986, and uh, because I had three children, and they were about to foreclose on our house, and so I moved to my parents. And um, you know, I knew I couldn't do cocaine around my parents. 
and that was just not gonna work right. And uh, you guys want some? <laughs> really? That was just you know, chop, chop, chop. Yeah. And uh, well, I had no source because I moved across town because I had been living in Montrose and and moved um, moved over to the east side of town. And um, so what I didn't realize at the time when I quit cocaine was I, I just quit cold turkey. One day I was living in the house in Montrose with my little kids and my husband was in outer space and um, then the next day we moved home. I mean, it was just that abrupt. I did not even leave a note. And um, So you left your husband? I left my husband ah. and my home and... Um, took my kids and went and moved in with my parents. And God bless them, they took me in. And um, But what I didn't realize at the time was that I needed to get sober. I was like a dry cokehead, you know? I mean, if there's such a thing. Yeah, dry mm-hmm. drunk, yeah, they um, call that. And yeah. um, I just, um, I didn't realize until I got into OA, until I started going to OA, that I had just substituted one addiction for another because I never had a weight problem until after I quit cocaine. So and, before, I just mm-hmm. want to pause here because it's really common for us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that exact same thing. As soon as I stopped drugs and alcohol, I picked up a toxic relationship. And then when I did the toxic relationship, I noticed it was my money. <laughs> and then after the money was the food. So I just wanted to point that out that it is really common for uh, addicts to just switch addictions. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. So um, anyway, I started going to OA in like 2014. And like I said, I became absent a year ago, December of 2017. And uh, and then I had a weight loss surgery in um, April of 2018. And I decided that it was just another tool you know, you say you'll go to any lengths to mm-hmm. rid yourself of right. your addiction, and um, and so I just decided that I needed I needed that tool, so I had it. And it was very successful. I have, as of uh, last week, I had released 103 pounds. Oh my gosh! Wow! Congratulations! Yeah. And would you explain really quickly what abstinence means? Abstinence, so there might be someone listening who doesn't. Sure, sure. Abstinence in OA is a little different. Not a little different. It's a lot different from uh, NA or AA or or any other programs that I'm aware of that treat addiction. And that is you um, go to a food plan and your food plan can be whatever whatever you choose it to be for a long time. And you work it out with the sponsor, right? Right, you work it out with your sponsor what your food plan is gonna be. And you know, when I first started, my food plan was no ice cream, that was, that was all I could commit to. But I really felt like I needed to commit to something. And so, um, but the thing about Overeaters Anonymous is you have to, um, if you are a coke addict, like I was, you can remove yourself from the cocaine environment, which is what I did. You just go away and you know, I don't, not in the part of town where my parents lived. There were no drug dealers on the street corner. So I wasn't able to even think about obtaining cocaine. And so um, that is the big difference. You you have to constantly be surrounded by food. You, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And, you and know, you can't not 
do food. Right. right. You have to do something. You have to yeah. do something. Yeah. Yeah. You have to eat three times a day. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you know, it's just, um, and you have to, and it took me, I guess, three years to decide to become more abstinent than that. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I had periods of abstinence for a while and then I, I relapsed and, um, but it's just, food is everywhere and especially this time of year, you can't go any place without people offering you food right, or, right. Um, This is well, very topical. Like a, yeah. This is very yeah. topical. Yeah, it is, people. especially right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, I went to my sister's for Thanksgiving and um, my family is oblivious to uh, the need for recovery. And because um, two of my brothers, I mean, I only have two brothers. My two brothers are both alcoholics. And my sister so needs to go to adult children of alcoholics, and um, I, in my opinion. And um, so I was over there, and of course there was masses, massive amounts of food. And then there was a whole table dedicated to desserts and candies and things like that. And I, I was fine. I had brought squash, and I ate squash, and I ate some of the ham, and you know, just had a little bit of the things that appealed to me. And that's the thing about a food plan. It's depending on who your sponsor is and what you all work out. You you can your your program can be as rigid as you want it to be. There's a another part of OA which is OA how and they adhere to what they call the gray sheet, which is very strict diet. You have to weigh and measure everything. No flour, no sugar, no nothing white. And um I that was not for me personally. And so what I've come to is that right now I am eating three relatively healthy meals a day. And um, I um, try to get 80 grams of protein in every day. Because when you have weight loss surgery, you have to make sure that you have uh, a good supply of protein because your body needs the nutrients. And by way of doing that, I get all other kinds of nutrients, but I I'm pay most attention to the protein. And you get satiated from that too, oh, right? right, right. And you know, it gives, and I've, I've started working out. I've been working out since May. And um, the thing about working out is you need to feed your body protein because your muscles can't recover from the strain that you put on them when you work out unless it has protein to work with. So that's, that's worked really well. And so I, I have a wonderful home group um, for OA. Well, I do too in, in ACA, but the OA uh, group that meets here in Houston on Tuesday nights is... Um, is a wonderful, uh, it was like when I walked in the room the first time, it was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> these are my people. And listening to people's stories, you know, just, there's not, you know, I, I'm different because I switched from one addiction to another. But, you know, so many people have the problem since birth, you know, or when they first became aware of eating, they realized that they, over eight, so um, uh, OA is a wonderful program, and I'm very grateful to be in it, and I'm grateful for the sobriety that I've had since I since I became abstinent. 
So it's so interesting, like I'm listening to you, um, you know, MG and I have worked multiple programs. We've talked about them before and I've done a stint in OA How and, um, but I know like my core issue is, and my core program is SLAA and it's that thing where you go like, oh, these are my people. (laughs) I didn't like it like you did. You know, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe these are my people, but they were, (laughs) you know, and now I love them, but. So we thought, like, we were sharing a little bit before we began recording about what was going on with us, and and all three of us um, were talking about some issues and decided to focus our talk today on pause when agitated. And uh, that's a tool that we use as addicts um, to sort of put the brakes on when you're going to go spin off and whatever. And I think that phrase comes from how it works in AA. Am I right about that? I think it's like, I, I can't remember. So Well, everything, yeah. I think everything in all programs stems from the mothership. Right. You know, it yeah, comes exactly. from the, right. big, the, right. the blue book, the big book of alcohol yeah. and all. Well, that's what we use in, so, in yes. LA. Yeah. And, we use the actual blue book. All of, all of the programs do stem from that. They all use the preamble, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, it, but... You know, I was sharing with the, the girls that I had an issue that um, I was mad. And I had um, a, a situation going on with um, some people very close to me that made me really um, upset and very, very passionately upset. And um, I wanted to call and tell this person what to do and how to handle it and where they were fucking up and how they should not how right I am and wrong you know thank God I was walking out uh, of my workplace and my sister called and I said I need to process something I mean it was just like serendipitous and um, it was I'm so glad that you know I'm so glad that I had that opportunity to, to process with someone else rather than you know, do the deed and call or do whatever, you know, because I'd planned this, I'd created this whole plan. Okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to say and this is how I'm going to do it and this is when I'm going to do it. And I was all like plotting this, you know, and um, uh, I know like for me that it's, I'm going to have a much better (laughs) result if I process that with someone rather than... Well, sure, you know, and because I don't want to have to make another amends, you know. I don't want to have to, like, you know, when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. Oh, crap, I got to go back. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I wasn't, you know, correct in I that. did this and that. Humble me and <sighs> eat my know. humble pie. Yeah. Well, and I think that one one thing that you said made me think, you know, you um, you make up shit in your head. You see a situation, and you just go spiraling, spiraling off into the universe. And um, I had a not a similar thing, but a a moment that I paused. Um, I had I found out that uh, I had a plumbing problem, and so I called the plumber. The plumber comes. It's six hundred dollars, and I'm just like, oh my god, six hundred dollars, fuck. Excuse me. The plumber's bill was six hundred dollars, and it was because uh, the the toilet was backing up into the shower in my guest bed bathroom. And then, after he left, a few days later, it happened again. And so I called him out, and he came with his buddy, and they put the 
camera thing in and looked all around and I needed to replace three pipes. Now, they replaced cast iron pipes with PVC pipes, which is plastic, you know? I mean, how much can plastic cost? Well, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they gotta dig it out. Yeah, they, gotta dig. Oh, yeah, they had to go in the and dig underneath because I'm on a um, slab, and uh, and the bill was fifty four hundred dollars, and I tried to plan my life around having enough money, and it takes uh, because I have a fear of not having any. And so, uh, when this happened, I was just totally distraught. I was just beside myself. I couldn't even think of a solution of how I could possibly pay for this. But I knew I had to because, you know, you can't have, you know what, laying around in your shower when... Um, and you have a tenant now. You yes, I have a tenant, room. yes. So it's yes. not like you could just close off that bathroom. It's right. like this is something Which, that... at one point in my life I might have done. You know, I'm fine. I have a bathroom. You know, right. I'll think about this tomorrow. And um, the scarlet, scarlet O'Hara yeah. approach. And uh, tomorrow so is another day. Before I and I had an overwhelming urge to eat, and I did not. Um, I hadn't had that in a long time because part of the side effects of having weight loss surgery is that. Your stomach doesn't produce as much ghrelin, which is the hormone that makes you feel hungry or full. And um, so I hadn't really had any cravings or, or not very many cravings for any particular kind of food or cravings for food at all. And so when that happened and I found it was going to be $5,400 in addition to the $600 I'd already paid, I freaked out and I was just in shock and so what I did was I stopped and I and I texted my sponsor and I texted a close friend and the friend and my sponsor both texted me back with comforting words and then my friend called me because she was uh, she was available to call and so I talked to her for a while and it just made me not be so uptight. It made me see that I had some options. I could do X or I could do Y or I could do part X and part Y. And um, and it just gave me relief from what I know is an imaginary craving because my stomach is smaller than it used to be. So it cannot hold the things that I used to indulge in. And so, you know, the pause that refreshes is definitely... Yeah. And it goes to show you like how powerful those triggers are, you know, when they hit, they, you know, they take over and, um, you know, we were talking about you possibly having a pause. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and I, I've been dealing with this pretty cold now for 11 days, 12 days. And, uh, you know, when it's, <sighs> I think the thing that I heard in, in your thread was that you, you know you got to be able to look within if you really want emotional sobriety you know you can have the the physical sobriety the mm -hmm. abstinence and you can have you know stop acting out and stop taking things in and you know stop the drugs the alcohol all of those things but the emotional sobriety is really about being able to go like you know and that's what I did when I was mad I was like I'm mad I cannot act 
when I'm like this because it's not going to, that's not going to give me the result that I want. And it's the same thing as what you just said. Like, am I in this space? I've gotten sick twice. So what's my stuff here? You know, and the same thing what you said, like, I really want to eat. There's nothing going on with my body. What is that? You know, it's having that emotional awareness of knowing like, this is something like a story I'm making up. This is tapping into my emotions and having that awareness will so help when stuff like that comes up. One of the reasons that I uh, became abstinent I was because I went to Paris in the summer of 2017 and I was very overweight. Uh, I was probably at my highest weight. And I went with a friend who teaches art history, so it was wonderful. I just had, you know, an insight into all of the places where we went. And I had a horrible time. My back was killing me. And um, I I was taking ibuprofen and uh, aspirin like it was candy. And it didn't really help, but but, you know, the physical act of taking it made me feel better somehow. And um, when I got back home, I started going to a a back doctor, and he told me, and I had been going to a cardiologist because I'd been having some kind of weird thing with my heart, and uh, both the cardiologist and the back doctor told me that I needed to lose weight. And they both recommended the the weight loss surgery, and and, you know, I resisted that for a long time. I, I resisted it from that summer until until January and um, I mean December and it's it's like you're in total denial of the problem I mean I knew when I looked in the mirror at home that I was overweight there was no question in my mind but it just didn't seem that bad and then all of a sudden I started to coordinate my back problem my heart problem all of these things are things that I am actively doing to myself to make myself ill. I was on medication and everything, and so uh, so because I've lost the weight, I think when I go back to my cardiologist in January that it's going to take me completely off my blood pressure medication. I've been working out since May, and I feel so much better physically, and I'm able to do more physically because I've lost the weight, and it's like somehow you have to go inside yourself and find out what you're in denial about, you know? I mean, what is it that's making me behave this way? And um, that introspection is just a part of sobriety. You have to be able and willing to do that. Right. But it does take a little bit, like, it it doesn't happen in the first 12 steps, you know? Yeah. I think you got to have some experience and um, maybe I've sponsored a couple of people and you might be doing it, but I, I think to have total awareness, there's got to be some some maturity in your in your program. Well, I think you know there's a saying that you know recovery is an inside job, right? You know, like I can go and I can have all the therapy in the world, or I can go to a treatment facility and I can do all these outward things, but ultimately, until I've made the decision that you know I'm powerless and I am willing to go to any lengths like what you said I feel like that only until that little bit happens steps one two and three that until that can happen I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna continue to do the same thing and get the same results and that's the definition of insanity 
So, you know, I have been so grateful and I was thinking about like, you know, my recovery program and the way that I feel about, because I'm, you know, um, sober in AA and then I'm sober in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And I feel like in AA, like, like you, like it was just magically removed. Like the alcohol, the desire for alcohol was magically removed. I've had no desire except maybe once in New York, I was up on the roof and of this you know cool building and they were having summer beer and I was like wouldn't it be great to have a summer beer in New York on a roof and and you know but it was just a passing idea I didn't have the beer um but for my sex and love addiction that's been a real addiction that has you know kept me um really really entrenched for a long time but I feel like I'm in remission I feel like you know I had like a bout with cancer and I've had the treatment and you know I'm in remission but so for those of people out there that know about remission and cancer so but you got to stop smoking the cigarettes you know and you have to stay on the food plan right whatever it is you know I don't mean the food plan but yeah you got to move away from that toxic area your doctor has given you instructions on how to live and it's you know, usually take away this and take away that. No red meat, blah, blah, blah. No cheese, butter, all, you know, whatever. And you got to exercise. And you have to, there's, it's contingent. And, and the big book says we are given a daily reprieve. But it's based upon a, a, a daily reprieve from our addiction, from the allergy. But it's based upon a fit spiritual condition. And that's what, that's what the introspection is. Is it's yeah. having that connection yeah. With a higher power. And, you know, I wanted to mention something else because when you said, when you were talking about, like, you know, just this is my body and this is what's going on, is there is an, in, in pause when agitated, there's an element of surrender. Absolutely. And that pause, when I can stop, is where I can allow that God moment to come into my little crazy head. Yes. Because if, if I can be like, okay, w- what's going on, instead of me just you know, my, my will forcing, forcing my will. If I can stop for a second and say, what's going on, then I feel like that's when I can get a whisper or I can get an intuition or, you know, be open to a phone call. Because if I'm in my shit and I see somebody call, I'm not taking that call, you know, I'll like, you know, put it down. Well, and that stems to what you were talking about is the denial, you know, the resistance. Um, I remember so well knowing I knew I needed SLAA. I knew I needed it. And I was bound and determined to try and fix it myself. And I was resistant. Because I didn't like whatever the notion was of living without my acting out behavior. That's scary to take that away. It's scary to take ice cream away or whatever it is. Because it's very effective. It is immediate and quick. It's instant gratification. Well, and the the thing that was scary to me was having doctors tell me, you know, not in these many words, but if you don't make a change in your life, you're going to die. And and it's sooner than later. Right, sooner rather yeah, than later. It's and, coming. And I don't have any grandchildren yet. I hope I do. Um, but I I had this mental image of myself taking my grandchildren out and bumping into tables because I was so big and just being, you know, and not being able to play freely with them. And I just, you know, it's, it's, you've got to, you're in denial and then you have to accept it. And then 
you have to, oh no, you have to surrender and then you have to accept it because and until those steps are accomplished, you, you are not able to move forward. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy and it's scary. And I, you know, I, I, I admit that it wasn't, you know, it was in a challenge and it's been a long time since either one of us had to, you know, do that type of surrender and commitment and introspection in that in that way in that to that level but um if you're listening and you're in that place where you're resisting you're denying and you're resisting i encourage you to um to let go and surrender and dive in because this is so much better absolutely my gosh when i just think about like my life now and my happiness now and where i've been I just wouldn't trade it for one day of acting out. And, you know, for me, the food is its my final frontier. You know, I've admitted that on this podcast before because, like, we were talking about the immediate effect of it. And, you know, and then I realized, what, what if I don't have that cookie? What if I don't do that thing? And it's going to be like, I might feel some feelings. There might be some feels that I have to deal with. And you know what, I, I'm ready to deal with those feelings because I know that like with anything, it's just the weather. It's just going to pass. This bad mood, this sad time. But for me, and I wanted to ask you about this, Kathy, you know, sometimes I feel the overwhelming urge to mask my feelings with food. And if I don't know if that's the correct way to kind of discuss it, like after I've had a success, or after I've done something good. To celebrate. You want to reward yourself. Mm-hmm. And instead of rewarding yourself with something like a massage or taking the day off or whatever you do to relax, you eat food and you get that instant sensation of satiation. And you just have to look beyond that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you have to, you don't have to do anything, but. You, um, you might be uncomfortable with success. And something else I just remembered was, um, I was in a group of people who were all in recovery, and and this one woman was talking, and I picked up on her conversation when she was in the middle of it, and she said, "Yes, I have a Q-tip everywhere. I put one on my desk at work. I take it to here. I have it in my purse. I da 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 da, and I always look at it, and I'm like." what is the deal q-tip what are your ears dirty or something i mean constantly i said well why do you have the q-tip and she said (laughs) because it stands for quit taking it personally and that was one of the best you know we have all these little catchphrases in in sobriety and that was just one of the best ones because that's what happened you took your uh problem with your folks Personally, like it was an insult to you right. that this was occurring, right? And you had to take action right. to to and I gotta resolve. fix it right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know this Buddhist practice that I uh, learned when I was in Brooklyn talks about you know like the seven winds and that we that their their tradition talks about being the rock and not allowing like the winds of success or the winds of failure or the winds whatever to move you. And so it's like a spiritual practice of staying grounded and centered 
And so I've really been like, you know, the last time, like, and, and, and it's not even a success, but it was like, I went to go see an amazing play and I went by myself because, you know, it's a, it was a weird play and, you know, and I think I reached out to like one or two people to go with me and no one said no. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go see it. And I did. And I went to go see it. And then afterwards I knew people in the play and I stopped afterwards and I talked with them. And so it was like really, really like it was a great play and I was, you know, happy to see my friends and talk to them afterwards. And, and, you know, and I did feel some like discomfort around, uh, like I felt like, you know, some of the other people weren't including me or whatever. I don't know. And so I left and I was, you know, I had all these mixed feelings of like happiness and like, uh, joy and you know some social odd weird things and I was just like I'm gonna go get some ice cream and I did and I went and got some ice cream and I ate around it and you know when I was able to feel uh, to get out of my feelings around what it was instead of doing what I encourage my sponsees to do stay with the feelings to work through them and then to pull it all out because there was some complexity there. And right. so I continued to do that work later after I wasn't in like, you know, a week After mode. the ice cream. After the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a temporary relief. Then I'll look relief. at the problem. It's a temporary relief. Right. You'll and feel better for a few minutes. Right. Right. And, and then you, you know, feel bad because you start feeling guilty because you ate the ice cream or whatever. Well, and for me, I really know that it takes my vibrational level down when I have the sugar and any like crap food, you know, it brings my vibration down and it's a way for me to check out. And you know, and I am so encouraged by my sponsees and the strong work that they do and their willingness to like, you know, in marriages for heaven's sake, you know? And I mean like, you know, like big work. I mean like life changing, moving, you know, big things. And the courage to do that, and so, and it's like, I'm not willing to, like, you know, change my behavior, so, like, you know, what what's going to happen? And so, I've been really encouraged by seeing you, Kathy, doing your program and doing the work that you need, and I feel like, you know, you did have a trip last month, this month, this month, uh-huh. where, you know, you were able to go and really have fun and enjoy your family. Right. Right. And so that's a real success for me. Right. And but the thing I think we should also take into consideration is that being in recovery, being sober lets you let you be able to be happy and be calm. And that I didn't realize how crazy I was until until I I worked uh, works where I used to work and I filled in for her while she was on vacation and one of the partners came in to my office and said Kathy you you look so calm and so peaceful so like your hair is not on fire What well, what's happened because I remember when I was there I really had a problem with one person there. I had a resentment chip that I kept for months because I was so resentful of the people there. But I had a wonderful time when I went back to work there. And I told I told the uh, partner that uh, I had been working on myself. You know, that I had been doing some heavy work on myself and that I just felt better. And I mean, I think you can tell by the timbre of my voice that I'm better than I was, that I'm calmer, that I'm 
And and there's nothing better than feeling happy about it's yourself. A, it's a gift. It's a really good gift, the, the gift of sobriety and the ability to look inside yourself. The gift of surrender. The gift yeah. of pausing yeah. when agitated. Yeah. Uh, they call it, you know, the freedom from uh, bondage. Yes. And it's the bondage of self. It is. Mm-hmm. And that thing, like what Ooh. you were just, yeah, yeah. It, it, can, it can tie you up. Well, I want to thank you. You've been a wonderful guest, and I really appreciate getting to know you and hearing part of your story. It's been a pleasure to have you on Sober Sisters Talk. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Awesome. So, everybody, uh, once again, if you want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can visit our website at www.SoberSistersTalk.com. We're also on iTunes, so just Google Sober Sisters Talk to get our podcast there. And if you do like and share, if you do like our our, uh, our podcast, please like and share it. If it shows up on your Facebook page or you see it from somewhere, please like and share it because we are growing our listener base. And um, it's been really fun to be here. And, and if you have any questions at all, you want us to address the topic, send us an email. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.